sports story everyone's talking about today is just moments away. So call or text us right now at 573-875-KTGR and make your voice heard. This is The Big Show with Andy and Brendan on KTGR. Hey, Cardinals fans. If you want to feel some any kind of solace about picking seventh and then MLB draft, don't worry. Kansas City Royals right behind you with the sixth overall pick at the MLB draft. It just... How are you still alive? Hi, I'm Chris Mitchell, producer Chris Mitchell. Andy Humphrey here as well. This is The Big Show, KTGR and KTGR.com. Second hour of the program at 5.05. We're going to talk some Mizzou football. Who is your MVP of the season? Could be on either side of the football. Offense, defense, whoever you got, let us know. We'll talk about it here on The Big Show, KTGR and KTGR.com. 5.25, the NCAA may be up to something. And usually I say that with some, you know, at best, cautious optimism, but I feel like there might be a little bit, there might be grounds for some actual, legit, cautious optimism here for some of the plans they may have, according to some leaked letters, notes, things of that nature uh, from Charlie Baker. We'll unpack that at 525-573-875-5847 to give us a call or text about any of that stuff, Chiefs, Cardinals, any of that junk. But first, before we get to any of that, we got to do this because it is 5 o'clock. It's time for the Top 5 at 5. On the big show, number one. You want to trade away for curtain number one? You can have curtain one. Well, some some more awards coming in for Mizzou football. The All-SEC coaches teams were announced today. And as you would expect, a lot of Tigers represented. Cody Schrader, Luther Burden, Javon Foster, Darius Robinson, and Chris Abramstrain all selected as first teamers. Tyron Hopper and Harrison Mevis were second teamers on that list. We'll learn the, the individual superlatives Tomorrow, and I would expect maybe Eli Drinkwitz has a good shot at SEC Coach of the Year. He was named that by the AP uh, the other day, and then we'll learn the all-freshman team later in the week. But Cody Schrader also is the Burlesworth Trophy winner. That was announced yesterday, uh, going to the College Football Most Outstanding Player, who started his career as a walk-on, and that was well-deserved from Schrader, almost expected at this point. Number two. Number two, your timing is impeccable. Well, we now know the results of the MLB draft lottery. The Cardinals are picking seventh, and the Royals are picking sixth, which uh, not necessarily, if you go by the uh, the order of the standings, they kind of lost ground on where they would be if it all went to chalk, essentially, uh, for the percentages of each team getting the number one overall pick. So the Cardinals slid a few spots from that, as did the Royals. Because a couple of teams with pretty long odds, the Guardians get the number one overall pick. They had a 2% chance at it. And the Reds, who had a 0.9% chance, they get the number two overall pick. So that slid a whole bunch of teams down and kind of waters down the hope of getting a high draft pick for both the Royals and Cardinals this season. Number three. A very interesting letter from uh, Charlie Baker, the NCAA president as he is proposing a plan to have schools pay players directly in the NCAA. Essentially, it would create a subdivision of uh, college sports that you could opt into if you're a school that wants to pay your players directly out of a trust fund. A lot that we can dive into at 525, but a groundbreaking uh, plan that's about to be proposed in the NCAA. Number four. Four. Oh, I shanked it. Boy, the Bengals, I think they lucked out yesterday of not only because of the Trevor Lawrence injury, but also the double passes. I don't know why they were doing it in the spots that they were with how well Jake Browning was throwing the football for them. I just didn't understand why it was necessary. 
Luckily for them, they got the ball last, essentially, in overtime. They had a stop against the Jaguars and got a game-winning field goal, and they're 6-6. Six and six. We'll see. Number five. What is the five fingers? Say to the face! Slap. There could be a lot of different answers to this question. Who is your MVP of Mizzou football this year? Big show's top five at five on KTGR. 875-KTGR, if you want to call or text us, we can dive into that. Right now, in fact, sure. who's your season MVP for Mizzou football? Call or text us, 875-KTGR, to give us uh, your thoughts on, on who it should be. I mean, the, the clear front runners. you look just up and down at the uh, first team and second team All-SEC lists, and you see guys like Cody Schrader and Luther Burden and, and Darius Robinson and guys of that nature. I mean, a whole lot of different places you can go. It's hard to pin it on one single guy. But the MVP this year for Mizzou football, who is it? 875-5847 to call or text us with what you think. I think uh, uh, the easiest answer, I think, is Cody Schrader, and he's definitely deserving of this title. Um, I I think in the end I would give it to him. But I, I think Brady Cook certainly deserves probably equal consideration for this. Yeah. They're... They're just as valuable to what they provided to the offense the whole season long. We were asking ourselves, is this offense going to transform? Is it going to evolve? We had seen what it looked like in years past with some of the small chunks here and there, methodically worked down the field, not always going to get the explosive plays. You needed to see better quarterback play in order to get that. And they absolutely got it from Brady Cook. He's not getting, like, he got recognition earlier in the year for some of the numbers that he was putting up, and and it was well-deserved. But even in the times when he wasn't putting up those numbers, I think he was just as valuable and just as effective and successful. And he's not getting, you know, some of the postseason pub that some of these other guys are because, I mean, you can only have one first-team All-SEC quarterback, one second-team, and that's clearly going to go to Jaden Daniels and Carson Beck with uh-huh. the numbers that they put up. So I, it's it's unfortunate that you kind of get shut out from from that hierarchy based off of some of the results this year. But I think if I had to give a nod to somebody, it's not necessarily a hot take because he's just as deserving as Cody Schrader. But I think the offense, uh, going into the season, we were wondering what the quarterback play was going to look like. We knew it had to get better some way, somehow, from the from the past couple of seasons. And Brady Cook elevated it to a point where I did not expect it to go. And that, I think, even with how well Cody Schrader's been running, and it's been electric, and he is 115 yards away from setting the Mizzou single-season rushing record, I would still maybe give my nod to Brady Cook because of the the impact that he has had on the entire offense and, and how it's opened things up. Yeah, really, when I was thinking about my choices for the MVP, uh, how original for me, <laughs> I was doing a coin flip between Cody Schrader and Brady Cook. Man, it really did feel like anytime you needed some like easy yards, anytime you needed to get like a chunk play, anything like that, you just needed to move the ball and get it in the right direction. You could just hand it off to Cody Schrader and get buckets that way. I mean, it's, again, and Cody Schrader's contributions excellent toward and very valuable to what Mizzou needed to do on offense the fact that they had another really good running game this year opened up so many of the things that uh, it's been awesome. that they were wanting to do on offense but 
we had also seen that in years past. Like Cody Schrader ran well last year too, and he kind of got equal time with Nate Pete here and there. So it wasn't just one guy, but they were both putting together some some really good production. And we weren't seeing that from uh, the the quarterback position, essentially. So the fact that Mizzou's offense is where it is, I mean, yes, it is very much part because of Cody Schrader and also the offensive line. Like, if you had to give it to, if it was a five-person award, the offensive line deserves all the credit. <laughs> yeah. It's just so tough to pin it on one person and say, oh, this guy was definitely the most valuable out of all these five, because it's a strong unit. And, and look, Javon Foster would be your easy uh, candidate there, but you need that entire front five to do their job in order to uh, be worthy of something like this. I would say that the the main question that got answered was, can Mizzou's quarterback be a plus for them? Can he be a? Can he give the team an edge in that position? Can he be an X factor head to head against the other team's quarterback? Can you can you win that? Can they outduel the other team's quarterback more often than not? We couldn't say that a whole lot last year. This year, with how Brady Cook upped his game, and with how that affected the rest of the offense. Yeah, he had a lot of help with Luther Burden and the, in the wide receiver room, uh, getting better as well. But someone's got to make those throws. Someone's got to make. It, someone's got to give him the football, and Brady Cook did it. So I would, I would give my vote to Brady Cook um, uh, for that. But give us your uh, vote eight seven five KTGR. Call or text us. Brad's here on the KTGR hotline. Brad, what's up, guys? Good evening. Um, I'm going to say this is probably the toughest question I've ever heard you guys ask. I don't know why. At first, I was like instantly Cody Schrader, Luther Burden, you know, those names, just like you said. And what it boils down to is I'm not going to help you guys at all because I'm very, the more I think about it, I'm just like, wow, this is actually a good year because I don't know if there is one guy. Like, I all of a sudden just want to say the offensive line. I want to say, you know, Brady Cook, who silenced all the critics, um, Cody Schrader, who's a walk-on who just got the nation to check him out. It's like, I don't know that it's a clear-cut answer. And I, I didn't know, I don't know if this is something that you all are able to put a poll online for. But if you do, I would like to watch it because I think this is definitely, this is, to me, this is harder than Heisman and who should be your top five college teams in, in the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. Mizzou. MVP of Mizzou's team this year is a question mark. Like, I just can't say anything. I, the whole team, gosh darn it. I mean, it is it is tough, man. 875-KTGR. Thanks for uh, calling in, Brad, uh, with your thoughts. Um, it's Again, if you're giving it to one person, it's almost uh, – it's not like you're trying to dog the other guy for saying, ah, oh, they didn't uh, do all that much. I mean, everybody upped their game to the point where Mizzou football – uh, was one of the top teams in the country, and look, you don't improve from six and six to ten and two with just one guy. I I completely understand that. That's why this is so tough, and it's kind of why I kind of default to the quarterback in a sense. You know, I I just I I think there's there's merit to that in almost any college football uh program, and so uh, look, it's it's nothing against any of the other guys. Like, look at the list that Mizzou's got seven. All SEC selections this year, and uh, every single one of those guys made vast improvements in their game. And it, 
And there are even guys that got snubbed from those lists. Like, where's Ennis Rakestraw in any of those yeah. uh, lists there? Like, he's a bona fide NFL talent, and I think he's I know he kind of got dinged up a little bit down the Very stretch, simple. but like, still. Yeah, that's probably why. Um, but again, it's just it's a testament to what uh, the, the team has done, and, and I think unequivocally, Eli Drinkwitz is, if you had to give it to one person, probably the MVP. It's 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 him. Um if you're not just talking about most valuable player, most valuable person has been Eli Drinkwitz for uh, this this rise that Mizzou football has made. That's that would be the easy cop out. Yeah, he's been the yeah, the, the most the valuable uh, the head coach. Well, of course. What about Kirby um, Moore though? Kirby Moore has been, uh, I'm sure, very good too. It's so hard to kind of parse that out from what uh, Kirby Moore is is impacting. Whether it's Kirby Moore impacting it or. Um, you know the the head coach essentially instilling his philosophy too. This is so funny. This is like and the, the players have reader, to, and offensive the, coordinator conversation. Well, no, no, no. I, I understand, <laughs> but it's the the players have to be the ones that make the plays, and so that's where I ultimately come down. I I would give it to Cook personally, but you can uh, have your thoughts. Eight seven five K T G R. Call or text this. James texting in. I can't give the MVP to just one player. It was a total team effort from Cook to Schrader to Burden, the offensive line to D Rob, and the defense to Mevis. And uh, he's right. It's so hard to do this. Um, okay. Uh, let's go to another text here. 875-KTGR. Josh is saying, going with Mevis. I like <laughs> I that. Mean, That's what I'm talking about. Kicker. Are we, are we starting it. from the K-State game where he, like, I mean, that field? You want to talk about... He like, says without him, we are at best an eight-win team and at worst a six-win team. I don't know about that. I mean, it's... I, I will he's... say, I do think there's like a certain amount of juice to the rest of the season that you can ascribe to that miracle 60-plus Sure, order. yeah. Because, you know, we, we know what happened leading up to that kick, right? We were, we were so ready. We have the scripts already planned out, man, for that late game decision-making for Drinkwitz, like the weird like penalties, kicking them back. You know, back and back and back. Oh, and yeah, the we were all ready harder. to bury him for that. Yeah, Absolutely. The, yep. for the coaching decisions made. And then Mevis just totally erases that with that 63-yarder. You get that win against a ranked Kansas State team that is still pretty good. And then you kind of get that energy and you get that positive. You get those positive vibes only uh, going into down the stretch. I know they didn't beat LSU, but still. Well, I mean, it's, so there's that. And then you can also ascribe the same. You can say the exact same thing about a guy like Luke Bauer, right? Where would Mizzou be without Luke Bauer's touchdown pass to Marquise Johnson Ooh, on the no fake kidding. punt? Like, uh, there there were moments that everybody uh, chipped in on at some point. Everybody had something. To keep Mizzou's fo- Mizzou football season on the trajectory that it ended up being at. So, I mean, there are so many moments like that. But, yes, you're right. I mean, Harrison Mavis nailing that kick yeah, it was the difference between. I mean, the game would have gone to overtime if uh, if yeah. he doesn't make it. So I mean, you never know. There's always but, that shot, but you never want to leave it up to chance. It's it's <laughs> exactly. again one of those things, and we would absolutely be burying Drinkwitz for the way that the uh, the end of regulation scenarios happened to get to that 61 yarder, and so th- th- there was that too. But again, like he, yeah, he cr- provided a huge moment. Uh, that was uh, boosting the team forward in that sense, and Luke Bauer did too. I mean, it, that's why it's so tough to pick one guy because time and again we saw so many players step up in big roles to uh, to to do what they did to help Mizzou get a certain win here or a certain win there. 
Like Darius Robinson getting, uh, I believe he had a three sack game or a four sack game or something like that yep. um, earlier in the season. Like here and there, guys carried the load forward and propelled the team to to the victories that they ended up getting. So, uh, but I mean, again, collectively, if you had to ask me, with how important it was to see this team do something different offensively with. Uh, a new offensive line coming in in Kirby Moore. How is he going to use the quarterbacks? How is it going to help them? It clearly did. And and Brady Cook, when you talk about the players on the field that I think made the most impact with their improvements, unequivocally, it was Brady Cook for me. So eight seven five KTGR. Call or text us uh, with who your season MVP from Mizzou football would be. Cody Schrader, I've decided. You've decided Cody Schrader? I've decided okay. it's the Cody. Well, I'm glad yeah. that we're getting different answers here. Like, uh, <laughs> That's there's what I'm no, talking about, baby. There is no unanimous yes. decision when it comes to this question. It is so tough. As Brad said, it is so tough. We might have to put up a poll to uh, see what, uh, what <laughs> the answer is. I'd love to see the be. results for that, honestly. I mean, it, but again, we don't have enough spots to put. Uh, for uh, for yeah. this, like it, I feel Twitter like only let you do four. We'd have to do know? like the usual suspects, like and then uh, like an other. Yeah. Uh, Jason texting in team MVP Drinkwitz, player MVP uh, Cody Schrader. Um, no, like look, uh, the way that Schrader impacted the game with his running ability was was tremendous, and uh, like it's not just the fact that his offensive line was paving. Uh, big path for him, which, by the way, is backed up by the numbers. I believe SEC StatCat uh, on Twitter has been lobbying hard for Mizzou's offensive line to be the winners of the Joe Moore Award, uh, which goes out to the best offensive line unit in the country because of the yards before contact that Cody Schrader has racked up. He had something like more than 200 yards uh, before contact this season than the next best guy. And... Like when you talk about an offensive line that's working game in and game out to pave those paths for Cody Schrader, like you have to take that into account. It's not to say that Cody is is only a product of his offensive line. That's not what I'm saying. He's obviously uh, with the yards that he's put up, he's doing it by making the smart decisions, hitting the holes well, and then breaking tackles on top of that, and just having the burst of speed that. Honestly, it's hard to see coming. Sometimes we didn't see see it coming this year. I mean, that's one of the revelations uh, of this offense that we were not necessarily banking on going into this season. But all of a sudden, Cody Schrader becomes uh, the one of the focal points of the offense, especially during the second half of the season when a hundred yard game is almost expected at this point from him. So I, I think it's you can set your uh, watch to it. No, I understand. Like, it's it's so hard to pick between all the players there. We haven't even talked all that much about what Luther Burden's done. Like the the fact that he's in the the passing offense, being moved to the slot, and uh, making the plays that he did, the contested catches, the touchdown throws, the or the touchdown uh, receptions, and uh, the punt returns, everything like that. Just so hard to pick. The least deserves consideration. Mm, There's, yeah. uh, come on. That that room needed experience, uh, needed a, an outside voice, you know, to, to come in, bring their perspective, bring their talent. And Theo Weiss, I, I think, we, even with even if you put up the numbers next to each other, I think he was a lot more impactful than even what his numbers showed. And he had good numbers. 
So I just, uh, again, it's such a hard question. I'm going with Cook, but who are you going with? 875-KTGR. Call or text us. Uh, Jeremy texting in. Maybe us fans. How many sellouts? I mean, the fans were huge impact, too. That's right. Uh, five straight sellouts. You got that to, cauliflower uh, ear to show for it. Yeah, to end the season. And a bum knee. Uh, to, I did it for you, Mizzou football. You're welcome. And so, uh, I mean, that was a, a huge part of it. But you have to have a reason to go, right? The, the team has to give you that hope. And look, they the, the Kansas State sellout was before they were giving you that hope. You, you didn't see the proof yet, but you were ready to buy in anyway because of how important that game was to make sure that you dispel some of the bad stuff from that earlier loss last year in Manhattan. But then, you, I, I don't think you get those sellouts if Mizzou football doesn't show you something later on in the season. You don't get five straight sellouts without the ways that they played against you know the the rest of the SEC schedule. So, I, I yeah, the fans deserve a whole lot of credit too for uh, for making Faro Field uh, a hard place to play once again. Um, Jason texting in eight seven five K T G R. He loves rumors. He's texting in the rumor. Uh, is ETN from Florida coming to Mizzou? I, I, don't I know. kept hearing about that. And I that, couldn't tell where it was coming from. Rumor, uh, that's going around. I mean, again, if you look at how running backs have done at Mizzou, if you want to, uh, you want to get your you production know. up, pal. <laughs> Serious. Hit our line. Yeah, Cody Schrader. Tyler Literally, hit, hit up our offensive line. <laughs> they they'll they'll get the push for you, bud. They'll hook you up. Um, yeah. So I mean, yards, touchdowns, you name it, we got it. So many uh, places that you can go with this. So, uh, but but again, I'm I'm coming back to the fact that there was one position that we had the biggest question about, and it was quarterback. And Brady Cook delivered and delivered more than I thought the position probably could during a season like this, at least heading in. But he quickly showed that he was worthy of it, and that's why I'm giving it to him but it's a very close vote. There's so many folks on here that are deserving of this. Who is your season MVP for Mizzou football? 875-KTGR. Call or text us with your thoughts there. We'll keep getting to some of your uh, thoughts and comments on that on our text line. There was a huge plan that could be a bombshell for the NCAA being proposed by the uh, by the entity's president and is probably going to be discussed in the back rooms very soon. What is it? We'll talk about it next on The Big Show. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. You can call or text us with who your season MVP for Mizzou football is, 875-KTGR. Larry texting in, I will withhold my MVP until after the bowl game. I mean, I suppose if you wanted to do that. But honestly, like... I, I judge a lot of what a, a team did. I, I, look, and, and the playoff is different. If you make the playoff, that obviously has a huge impact on how your season went. And, you know, kudos to you for getting to that point. But when you're you're playing in a bowl game, even as, as high caliber as the New Year's Six, and I think even especially, I mean, the fact that you're there is a big deal. Uh, it's not to say that you're not trying to win the game or anything like that. Don't don't hear that from me. Mizzou's going to try and win, and I think they will win, by the way. Um in a few weeks, but I judge mostly how a college football team uh, should be assessed on how they did dur- for what they did in the regular season during yeah. the twelve games that they had on their schedule. That Those we, games matter. We knew all about. They matter more most of the time. Mm-hmm. Like again, bowl games. They they also. I'm not trying to say the bowl games don't matter. 
Um, they just they don't matter as Not much as the news. regular season games do. I would rather win a regular season game most of the time than uh, than a bowl game. But it's not to say that you don't want to win the the Cotton Bowl. It, I I do want to see Mizzou win the Cotton Bowl, and if they do, it's going to be absolutely uh, a huge cherry on top for what this team has done so far. But we're not souring on them at all if they lose that game. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Like that this season is a monumental success regardless of what happens in that game. So I think it's fair to say, look, you know, through twelve games, who was who was most valuable? Which is it to me is Brady Cook. Um it's not a very unanimous selection to me. It's hard to not go with somebody like Cody Schrader or Javon Foster or Luther Burden or Darius Robinson or even guys like Chris Abrams Drain or Harrison Mevis or Luke Bauer for the play that he made in the Kentucky game. Yeah. Like there are certain plays that Mizzou does not put together the season that they put together without. Mevis's sixty one yard kick against Kansas State, Bauer's fake punt pass. Uh, so many plays out there. Um, I, I think it could. I, I think we could have a whole lot of different answers for this. So again, keep texting him in eight seven five KTGR. Jason texting in Sam Horn. He made Cook better. Uh, maybe the competition did make the quarterback position better uh, and and push everybody who was competing for that spot to be their best and to find ways to take care of themselves and to make sure that they're available and and finding whatever edge they can to help out the team. Look, I don't know who who's the biggest impact on Brady Cook for the rise that he that that he had this year. So I'm just going to say that it was him. It was his dedication to being better at his craft for coming back from the injury that he uh, suffered last year and and getting stronger from that and running the offense in a much more efficient way. Uh, Kirby Moore deserves credit. Eli Drinkwitz deserves credit. The entire quarterback room deserves credit. The wide receiver room deserves credit. I, yes, but Brady Cook was the one that had to make the plays in the end and. He made he most was, of them. He was a plus player in both the run and pass uh, yeah. games for uh, for Mizzou's offense, and it's hard to find that sometimes. Uh, he he solidified himself as one of the few best quarterbacks in the SEC, and you know, unfortunately for him, there was uh, I think the Heisman Trophy winner in college football in the same conference, and Jaden Daniels and Carson Beck, a guy who spent. Uh, 99% of the season at number one in the country uh, for his team, and then all of a sudden they lose at the very end. But, go put, up, six. but put up really good numbers anyway, and so I, I think it's justified that he's the second-team guy with how he did. But not to try and downplay what Cook did either, because I think his contributions were probably the most important for Mizzou making the steps that they did. And again, it's hard to say that from what the other numbers we've seen from different guys out there, especially Cody Schrader. Chris is going with Cody Schrader. We've seen some Cody Schrader um, comments here. So, I mean, give us yours, 875-KTGR. Who was the MVP of Mizzou's season uh, in football? All right. This is very interesting. Like paying players? Came out today. Um, yeah, uh, it was widely reported today. I think this letter, I don't know if it was supposed to be released, but, I mean, if, if the fact that a reporter got his hands on it, somebody wanted it to be seen in the NCAA office, and so now it is. 
but essentially, Charlie Baker, the the new president of the NCAA, is proposing essentially a subdivision of Division One athletics, where if you're a school that wants to opt into this subdivision, you can essentially directly pay some of your players, and it has to be a minimum amount. And I want to make sure that I get uh, the the actual details of this. I'm not saying anything that's incorrect because it's a little bit, a little bit convoluted, as you might imagine. But essentially, the NCAA might propose very soon a chance for Division One schools to opt into this new subdivision and would have to meet a strict minimum standard of essentially essentially athlete investment and having to pay players like a minimum amount or at least pay half of your players a minimum amount of money from NIL or essentially this trust that would be set up uh, within each school. So specifically what they're talking about is they're saying that if you opt into this program, if you opt into this subdivision, you have to play at least half of your student-athletes that's all of them, men and women. You have to pay at least half of your student-athletes $30,000 a year. And that's, that's quite a lot. If you, once you add it up, it's a pretty big expense for, for a school to, uh, to handle. But again, like you, there are ways to, I guess, manipulate this going forward. But essentially, this is a chance for the schools that have the resources to pay their players and want to do so a little bit more directly. They can, they can come into NIL deals directly with their players, pay them from this uh, pool of money, and try to even it out between men's and women's sports as well to kind of give women's sports more of a chance to earn some of those NIL dollars that uh, a lot of men's athletes uh, get to take advantage of right now. So, a lot to get to, and I think Ross Dellinger was the first at it from Yahoo Sports. So his story, uh, one of the ones that you can check out. Um, but eight seven five KTGR. This is a very interesting uh, proposal here that Charlie Baker, the NCAA president, looks like he's expected to maybe discuss this tomorrow at a convention in Vegas, and I believe some of the stakeholders for the NCAA are going to meet at that convention, and then again in mid January. Most likely, this is going to be a major topic of discussion. But again, this is this could be a very clear distinction between schools that have the money and resources to pay their players significant amounts of money and, and equal amounts of money across the board and the ones that probably don't, and then saying to the ones that do, hey, you can, you can do this. You just have to adhere to these strict requirements you can even govern the ways that it is uh, distributed, the rules as far as transfer portal and recruiting and things like that. So you have to opt into this program in order to do it, but we want you all still under the same umbrella. I don't know if the if it's going to accomplish the goal that the NCAA wants to make sure that they're not calling these athletes employees, which I think is essentially what we're working toward. And it also, they're trying to hold everybody together, but if you're outright saying that there's a group of schools that can go off and have their own rules while still being NCAA schools, 
Well, they're still they're not going to think that they can go off and do their own thing and break away from the NCAA. That's where I wonder uh, if the NCAA has thought this through enough to where you're essentially holding that you're essentially giving them the keys to what they might want down the road and thinking that they're not going to drive off and you know go spin donuts in the parking lot and things like that. Yeah, it's really interesting because I do feel like we're kind of speaking the language of the inevitable future, right? If the NCAA doesn't make this decision to sort of like look around and throw up their hands and be like, yeah, I guess we do need to make a more concerted effort to pay players over the table. Uh, somebody in a court is going to do it for him, either at the Supreme Court level or some kind of district court or whatever. They're going to be like, hey, wait a minute. This industry that you're a we'll part see. of here is worth so many billions of dollars now. There's so much revenue attached to it. It's just this massive hulking machine with so many like hundreds of different moving parts i'm talking schools but even beyond that there's players and coaches too that could kind of just freewheel it and do whatever now with these portal rules and these coach buyout rules there's so many like different layers to it that's just so unwieldy i do feel like this is kind of trying to corral the big cash cows together and be like okay we can still sort of dictate we can sort of make this happen on our own terms as opposed to like the big 10 doing it by themselves or like they're basically, I think what they're trying to do is basically get everybody all under one roof. So they all kind of move in the same direction. Yeah, Even if these schools want to spend all of the money to get it, to keep the best athletes and to keep making their school a little more attractive than some of the others, because they can, because they have the money, because they have the resources, but they're trying to, have this sort of effort to say, well, you can you can do that, but stay under our roof. Essentially, is what they're trying to do because they want to keep the NCAA tournament together. Like that's that's kind of the plan with this whole thing. Is that yeah, you're breaking off and doing your own thing. You're playing by your own rules, but you still get to participate in some of our other uh, in all of our championships except for football because it's governed by something different. It's the college football playoff. But they want these schools to still be able to participate in the NCAA tournament so they they can keep that intact. And that's where I wonder, like, well, those schools are going to get a taste of what it's like to do their own thing, and then they might decide to go ahead and sever ties completely, and then the NCAA might be in a big pickle in that sense. So that's where I wonder if this plan holds weight for what the NCAA is actually trying to accomplish here. I don't know if they essentially will, but hey. Again, if it's very interesting. Uh, these schools would have to take on huge expenses. Again, it would be you'd have to pay a minimum of thirty thousand dollars per year to at least half of your student athletes, and have it be you know even between men and women athletes that you're distributing this money to. So essentially, Mizzou, I believe, has I think the number that I saw today is five hundred fifty student-athletes across all of their sports. So if you do the math, if you're paying half of those 550, that'd be 275, you give them $30,000 minimum per year, that works out to, I think, about more than $8 million a year annually. And that's the minimum. Like, you can pay more to certain folks, you know, Luther Burden, for example, like, you could... If you wanted possibly to possibly pay like if it's a better player and you and you want to pay more money, you, you have the ability to do so. I wonder what the rules would look like for these schools that decide to opt in. And again, this is just a 
plan that's being proposed. Nothing's official yet, and it's just a rough draft, too. I guarantee you that the way that this letter from Charlie Baker read today, it's not going to read the same way if they actually go forward with this plan because the lawyers and the suits are going to have their say. But that would be a huge expense. I'm I'm sure if Mizzou wants to, you know, the SEC might decide, like, hey, uh, all you schools, we're, we're all doing this. And they might have to just do it. So I, I, I'm, it's hard to say definitively how this could affect things because it's not, it's not a firm plan yet. But it's a, it's the first real sign of the NCAA kind of let, uh, throwing up their hands and saying, yeah, look, there's no way that we can't directly pay our players anymore. They are too crucial to the, to the business that this has created, to the product that we have created. In college sports, it's a multi-billion-dollar industry, and it is time for the players to have their cut. And uh, look, the schools themselves have, uh, with with NIL and everything like that, they've basically asked the general public to do the work for them. Now, you know, under this plan, for schools that decide that hey, we want to be part of this, it might be up to them all of a sudden to uh, to make those payments. But what do you think? Should there be a New subdivision of college sports where if you opt in, the schools can pay the players directly, and they have to pay them a minimum amount of $30,000 to at least half of their student-athletes, all of them, men and women. 875-KTGR, call or text us with, with your thoughts on this, and um, we'll, we'll keep giving ours as, as we learn more about this uh, here on the Big Show KTGR. Uh, we'll get to some more Cardinals thoughts next. Uh, maybe a check-in from Brendan from the winter meetings uh, right after the draft lottery. Sure seems like the Cardinals uh, got a little bit screwed on the draw. You want to talk about that? For the, uh, for the MLB draft about, lottery. Want to talk about it? Uh, Chris, I wonder if he wants to talk about it. Uh, the resident Royals fan. Uh, that's after this live local sports center here on the Big Show. You're listening to the Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Well, give us your Mizzou football MVPs for the season, 875-KTGR, or maybe just one. I mean, it's hard to choose just one. That's the problem. I I tried my best. I'm going with Brady Cook, uh, Chris going with Cody Schrader. But tell us uh, your uh, MVP for the season for Mizzou football, 875-KTGR. But let's get to uh, this talk here. So the the Cardinals, by virtue of losing, what was it, 91 games last year? Yeah. Getting uh, an 8.3% chance at the number one overall pick in this upcoming MLB draft for 2024. And even if they don't get the number one pick, you know, you have your, your chance to get your name drawn and get a... Uh, a high draft pick, maybe top five, at the very least, you would think, right? Maybe a good chance at that, considering you had the fifth best odds to get number one. So you should be a top five uh, selection, right? Nope. 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 That's how rough the lottery can be, especially the MLB lottery, uh, with just the second year uh, of its existence. And the Cardinals, instead of having their name drawn, they draw six names, and those are the top six picks 
The Cardinals did not have their name drawn, and because they were the the team that had the worst record out of the teams left, they then get the the next highest pick, which was number seven. So being number seven means that essentially you were the first uh, loser of the of the draft lottery, almost. Maybe you could assign that to the team at the very end, but the team at the very end almost knows, like, yeah, there's there's no shot. But, I mean, the fact that the Cardinals fall all the way down to number seven, Chris is not going to have any sympathy because the Royals fell all the way down to six. They had their name drawn last out of all those teams that had their name drawn, and they had one of the best odds to get the number one overall picks. They had the most uh, lottery balls, if you will. In the pot, because the top three teams get the exact same odds to get the number one pick. The the A's, the Royals, and the Rockies all had an 18.3% chance of getting it. And so the, the Royals dropped down all the way to six, and the teams that end up getting the top two picks, the Guardians got number one and the Reds got number two. I mean, those were teams that, towards the end of the season, they were trying to get in the playoffs like yeah they they uh they had very long odds for this guardians had a two percent chance at it the reds had a 0.9 percent chance yeah i mean uh i would say if you had to grade the mlb draft lottery it's nobody's fault i mean again it's all luck of the draw quite literally i don't know if it worked out too well for the cardinals especially not the royals i mean the royals just you know kind of uh, you almost expect it at this point that things are not going to go their way, but uh huh. I mean, again, that's that's kind of luck of the draw sometimes. But the Cardinals not very lucky today. That's the takeaway. Yeah, I've got my own thoughts and opinions on how the Royals ended up, um, but instead of doing it myself, I'm just going to turn it over to one of Canada's finest, uh, Brett the Hitman Hart. Yeah, that's how it feels right now. Oh man, I yeah. The, there's not much hope for uh, for what the Royals are doing because again, too. the the uh, the the front office has a warped view of what they are at the moment. Yeah, and they don't get they still don't get the ammunition that they probably need to uh, to rebuild things. But hey, go ahead, increase my rent. It'll only make me grind harder, baby. Let's get it. Come on. <laughs> That's what the Royals are doing, uh, wanting to move into a brand new fancy building, but um, but again, I the fact that the Cardinals had to endure such a a terrible season, they realize that there's a lot oh, of work no. to do to uh, to rebuild this roster and and try and get back into contention next year. And they thought, well, maybe one of the bright sides of being this bad is that hey, you can get a fairly decent draft position for for this upcoming draft uh-huh and while it's better than most teams seven ain't bad but you realize that it could have been much better uh-huh you know? that's right again fifth fifth best odds that's how you end up drafting yeah, rj barrett maybe, and the zion williamson and john moran draft i mean 
You know what? In retrospect, that pick isn't that bad. Uh, again, you can get a solid player. Uh, the top ten players are all going to have a decent shot at being very good MLB contributors. Um, this this kind of stings a little bit, though, because you go through that that season as a as a Cardinals fan who is used to winning records and everything like that. It's it's hard to see a team like the Cardinals up on that stage waiting for a ping pong ball essentially so i mean uh, sorry about it cardinals fans but you know still number 7 it, can't believe the rockies still next, got a top uh, 3 pick kinda, what are they doing with that pick nothing uh, definitely not anything useful uh, that's another organization that maybe they have a better view of what they are because they just don't they're not trying to win the royals are trying to win and they think that they can win with guys like you know whoever it is Brad Keller, is he even on the team anymore? <laughs> Brad Keller, uh, maybe. Mm. Should be. I haven't checked up with the roster. In like the that's your age. I don't need to. Like again. it's probably Cole Reagans. Uh, look, Cole Reagans is a, is a fine pitcher. Didn't I even draft can... him. Got him from the Rangers for hey. like a sack of peanuts. Appreciate it. That's not bad. Not looking too terrible at the moment, but we'll see. Eight seven five K T G R. You can call or text us. Thank you to Brian Smith of Mizzou Wrestling for joining us earlier today. You can find it at ktgr.com if you missed it. Uh, tomorrow we'll have uh, much more Mizzou talk and uh, some some NFL discussions as we get closer and closer to the end of the regular season. Maybe Brendan will have another update from uh, from the winter meetings in Nashville. You never know. Those are under. Uh, you never know what could happen there. We expect something to happen with Shohei Otani, probably. Maybe they'll trade their pick. Oh, never mind. You how can't many, do that. How, you know, you can't trade baseball. picks uh, in baseball. That's so weird. Why can't um, you do that? I, Answer I, it in five seconds. I like it, honestly. Keep your keep your draft position. It doesn't get all confusing with who's drafting where and everything like that. I think it's fine. But join us tomorrow. Brendan will join us again. Give his thoughts on the MLB draft lottery and what else is going on at the winter meetings. So don't miss any of that. An encore presentation of the Chiefs Kingdom show is coming up next. He's producer Chris. I'm Andy. We're done for now.